0: Something to note, all of the groups covered on this show operate in secret. The details included in this episode are based on extensive research, but ultimately can never be 100% verified except by society members themselves.
1: The year is 1820. You're standing in the holding room of Washington Lodge Number 1. A man bearing a black wand towers in front of you. He is the Conductor, the person who stands between you and your future as a member of the Oddfellow Society.
0: You came here tonight because you've witnessed the Society's charitable works. You've seen them heal the sick and help the poor, and you want to be a part of their karmic legacy.
1: But you've heard other rumors too, whispers about the Oddfellow's secret symbols and elaborate rituals, some of which involve human remains. Nevertheless, none of the things you've heard are enough to dissuade you from your purpose.
0: So when the conductor asks you to fill out a sheet with a series of questions, you respond with your name, age, and the promise that you're in good health. Then you wait with bated breath as he stares at you. It's as though he's looking into your soul.
1: Finally, the conductor nods. Then he asks, Are you willing to enter into an obligation to keep secret all that may transpire during your initiation?
0: Eagerly, you consent, but your excitement turns to trepidation as you're blindfolded and guided to the lodge's imposing bronze
1: door. You hear a deep voice cry out from within, Who comes there?
0: Your companion answers for you, saying, It's the conductor with a stranger who desires to be initiated into the independent order of the odd fellows.
1: The door opens. Your blindfold prevents you from seeing what lies within, but you can hear a new voice, soft and alluring. It greets you with the words, come in.
0: Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson.
1: And I'm Greg Polson.
0: And this is Secret Societies, a ParCast original. Every Thursday, we examine history's most exclusive organizations from around the world and try to shine a light on the truth behind these mysterious groups. From the Illuminati to the Order of Nine Angles, we'll explore how much impact each secret society actually had on the world around them.
1: This is our first of two episodes on the Odd Fellows. While the early history of the society is shrouded in secrecy, Their mission statement is clear. This non-political, non-religious group's mantra is to, quote, visit the sick, relieve the distressed, and educate the orphan.
0: This week, we'll discuss the group's origins in England and its move to the United States. We'll also explore some of their macabre rituals and ceremonies.
1: Next week, we'll discuss how the society might have been involved in one of the most mysterious cold cases in history, the Somerton Man. Finally, we'll cover one of the most disturbing rumors surrounding the group. Namely, whether they've literally been keeping skeletons in their closet.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
1: Some of history's most notable figures were Oddfellows. Charlie Chaplin, P.T. Barnum, Charles Lindbergh, and Franklin Roosevelt were just a few of the famous names that reportedly joined the society, and took pride in its charitable efforts.
0: Despite wide documentation of the group's most esteemed initiates, the history of the order itself is a little harder to corroborate, largely because the earliest legends of the society date all the way back to 587 BCE.
1: According to ancient lore, the Brotherhood first came into existence during the exodus of the Israelites in Babylon.
0: Traumatized, they might have decided to establish the Oddfellows because they wanted to rebuild a sense of community.
1: After this era, documentation about the group's activities went dark. It wasn't until 79 CE that whispers of the order resurfaced once more, this time in ancient Rome.
0: According to this legend, Jews serving under Emperor Titus appeared before him, They requested that he grant them a charter so that the Oddfellows could finally be seen as an official organization.
1: The Emperor even drafted the terms of the Oddfellows' charter on a golden tablet, an honor he didn't bestow to everyone.
0: Unfortunately, these few details, which are almost certainly mythical, are all we know about the Oddfellows' ancient origins.
1: It would take another millennia and a half before more credible tales of the group cropped up again. This occurred in 1745, when the Oddfellows appeared in the English publication, The Gentleman's Magazine.
0: In the article, a journalist referred to the Oddfellows' lodge as "...a place where very pleasant, recreative evenings may be spent." The article also explains that odd fellows were meant to uphold the dignity of the sovereign of the realm, and to assist one another in times of misfortune, and to amuse and instruct one another. A few decades later, in 1788, the poet James Montgomery penned a song called "The Odd Fellow's Keepsake."
1: Montgomery's lyrics were descriptive. They told of a supportive brotherhood whose members happily paid a fee to maintain access to their fraternity.
0: Due to the group's shadowy, ill-documented history, even the etymology of the name Oddfellow is unclear. However, there are many theories about why the moniker might have been chosen.
1: Some suggest that it was Emperor Titus who came up with the name Oddfellow, due to the group's unusual symbols and ceremonies.
0: However, it's most likely the name didn't come about until the 18th century in England. At the time, most major trades craftsmen and merchants like carpenters, shoemakers, and smiths were organized into guilds. These began in the Middle Ages and continued through the 18th century. They were often the only thing that ensured better pay and job security and eventually developed into workers' unions.
1: But not every profession had a guild. Many so-called oddball jobs were left in the dark. The descriptor Oddfellows was given to working people as diverse as painters, shipbuilders, farmers, and even undertakers.
0: As the theory goes, when this colorful cast of characters finally decided to form their own guild, it seemed only fitting that they call themselves the Oddfellows.
1: The final theory about the group's name suggests that it came from the Brotherhood's charitable nature.
0: During the 18th century, a fraternal organization that provided for its members' social and financial needs was a new, unusual idea.
1: If a Odd fellows business burnt down, or if he needed help regrowing crops after a bad season, the Brotherhood was there to lend a hand, both financially and physically, providing a kind of mutual aid. For that reason, the group may have been dubbed Odd.
0: Instead of taking offense at the pejorative, the Order decided to incorporate it into their name.
1: What's more, they didn't let the ridiculing opinions stop them from engaging in acts of charity. Instead, they escalated their efforts.
0: If work was scarce in one location, the ruling body of the Order gave any struggling member a special card and funds to carry them to the next town. This card let Oddfellows in need gain access to their new city's lodge. There, brothers would help them secure employment. Only then would the individual be asked to return his card for a future member in need.
1: Members paid dues to the Lodge for this exact purpose. The Order then used the pooled funds to subsidize brothers who couldn't pay for things like medical bills, putting food on the table, or a funeral.
0: But the Odd Fellows were far more than just a piggy bank. Their mission was to promote personal and social development throughout their communities.
1: Towards the end of the 18th century, some members of the English government were growing paranoid because of the nearby French Revolution. Officials in England watched as the French working class rose up and beheaded their well-heeled overlords. Soon enough, England's elite were concerned that the same could happen to them.
0: Since many of Britain's working class belonged to guilds like the Oddfellows, that's where the most suspicion fell.
1: These fears weren't unfounded. After all, orders like the Oddfellows were a precursor to modern unions. They and other guilds had power and influence over so many professions that they could create an economic breakdown or even foment a revolution.
0: So in a bid to crush any potential uprising, English authorities outlawed societies like the Oddfellows. But these regulations didn't stamp out fraternal orders. They simply drove them underground.
1: Unfortunately for the orders, the authorities wouldn't be put off so easily. Allegedly, government informants began attempting to infiltrate societies like the Oddfellows in the late 18th century.
0: With such increased scrutiny, codes became essential to the safety of order members. The Oddfellows adopted secret signs, passwords, and handshakes for added security.
1: Even so, members of the Guild still didn't feel safe in England's harsh political climate. Perhaps that's why some Oddfellows packed up shop and sailed for the New World.
0: As these members settled in America, Oddfellow lodges soon cropped up.
1: Then, in 1817, a British Oddfellow named Thomas Wildy arrived in Baltimore, Maryland.
0: Whatever dreams Wildy had for an easy life in the New World were quickly dampened. The War of 1812 was only a few years past, and British newcomers were still perceived as enemies. Wilde may have had difficulty making friends.
1: To make matters worse, by 1819, yellow fever was running rampant in Baltimore, and the entire city struggled with mass unemployment because of a national economic depression.
0: But instead of growing despondent, Wildy came up with a solution to help Baltimore's sick population while making him new friends. He put an ad in a local newspaper, asking if there were other Oddfellows in the area.
1: On April 26th, four men responded by meeting Wilde at the Seven Stars Tavern. It was there that the first official American Oddfellows branch was formed. Wildy even secured a charter from the higher-ups in England.
0: He immediately set about growing the branch. Wildy did this by ramping up the group's charitable works.
1: Under his stewardship, the Odd Fellows offered relief, medicine, and money to the sick people of Baltimore. Wildy is said to have personally nursed victims back to health.
0: But before his group's charitable reputation grew, Wildy's personal life remained something of a mystery.
1: It seemed that Wildy held several professions once he reached the United States. Some say Wildy built coaches. Others thought he was a blacksmith.
0: His career wasn't the only mystery. He was at all times reticent, or entirely silent, about himself and his domestic situation.
1: Despite all this secretiveness, Wildey was well-liked. His fellow members may have even perceived his discretion as added strength.
0: The Oddfellows were publicly philanthropic, but the group kept many secrets under firm lock and key.
1: For that reason, Wildey's reticent behavior made him a natural leader. His discretion ensured that the only way a person could learn more about the group was to take part in their bone-chilling initiation ceremony. Up next, you'll be initiated into the Order of the Odd Fellows. Hi, it's Greg. ParCast has a brand new series sure to become your next podcast obsession. It's called Medical Murders, and it exposes a dark and disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer—men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Merton as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow medical murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Now, back to the story.
1: By the end of the 18th century, the climate in England had grown hostile toward fraternal brotherhoods. Groups like the Oddfellows adopted several elaborate rituals and secret signs. To prevent the government from infiltrating the order.
0: Fortunately, the climate in America was much friendlier to guilds, and a member named Thomas Wildie was able to establish a branch of the Oddfellows in Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Under Wildie's stewardship, the Oddfellows' motto became, visit the sick, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphan.
0: However, very little was known about the mysterious activities of the Oddfellows, In fact, the only way to discover what went on in those all-male, membership-only lodges was to be initiated yourself.
1: You've made it through the first part of the initiation process, managing to gain admission into the Oddfellow Lodge. The conductor closes the door behind you and says, Here, the world is shut out. You are separated from its cares and distinctions, its dissensions, and its vices.
0: You're blindfolded, and understandably terrified. But beneath your blindfold, there's a tiny sliver of space. Through it, you can see flickering candles on the walls, and the shadows of several white-robed men.
1: These men will be your future brothers, but only if you pass the initiation.
0: In order to become an Odd Fellow, the Conductor tells you that you'll have to embody the group's most sacred principles of friendship, love, faith, and charity.
1: He informs you that the white-cloaked men have already vowed to uphold those rarefied ideals. Then, in a booming voice, he asks if you're willing to do the same.
0: You agree, and a man you cannot see exclaims, Then at once the chains prepare.
1: Another figure calls behind your back. Entwine the links about him. Now bind him to the stake.
0: Your heart is beating hard. You can sense them coming toward you, the sounds of chains growing louder with every step.
1: Someone grabs your wrists forcefully, but then the conductor calls out, Hold.
0: He asks the robed men if they believe you deserve mercy. There's an excruciating pause. Then, the men around you begin chanting, Mercy, mercy, mercy.
1: A sigh of relief escapes your chest. You listen as the conductor calls out, Man in darkness and in chains. How mournful a spectacle. Yet it is the condition of our race who are void of wisdom, though know it not.
0: After these strange words, the conductor finally removes your
1: blindfold. Your eyes adjust to the soft lighting the same cloaked men surround you, only now there's more of them. They part down the middle, making way for the Conductor, who glides toward the back of the room. He grabs something and carries it to you.
0: You're horrified when you realize that he's holding a human skull.
1: The Conductor says, Behold a representation of the effect of death. He tells you that this is a symbol of your mortality. It is meant to humble you reminding you that wealth, power, and selfishness mean little in the afterlife.
0: You're relieved that the skull is only a symbol as opposed to a precursor of things to come. But before you can catch your breath, another man called the warden begins inundating you with questions.
1: He inquires about your profession and family. Then he ominously asks if you can keep a secret.
0: You nervously promise him you can, You swear not to divulge any of the Oddfellows' sacred secrets to the outside world.
1: Your new brothers believe you, which means you've made it. You're in. You are now a member of the independent order of the Oddfellows. But there's still so much left to learn.
0: As a new initiate, one of the first topics you'll be taught is the group's Three Links symbol. Each link represents one of the founding principles of friendship, truth and love.
1: Oftentimes, a lodge will hang the three-link symbol over the entrance. Since many odd fellows before the 20th century were illiterate, the three links guided them to the lodge like a north star.
0: The second lesson you'll learn is that despite your trade or level of education, membership in your new society is broken up into three varying degrees.
1: Friendship is the first degree, where an initiate starts their journey, In this level, you'll be taught the value of solidarity, devotion, and most importantly, earning trust. It's here that you'll learn to leave behind jealousy and competition, focusing instead on teamwork and unity.
0: The next degree is love. On the path to this particular enlightenment, you must prove that you're committed to helping every man regardless of class, religion, or nationality.
1: The third and final degree is truth. By this point, you will have seen the Society's many mysterious symbols everywhere. You've seen them stamped on books, engraved inside relics, and placed on the walls of the lodges. And yet, it is only at this third degree that you will finally be told what all these secret sigils mean.
0: You'll learn that the all-seeing eye symbol is meant to remind you of the higher being, constantly scrutinizing your every thought, action, and word. The terrifying concept of always being watched will serve to keep you in line.
1: Next, you'll be taught that the Bundle of Sticks sign represents the Brotherhood's unity. One stick can easily be broken, but when bunched together, its strength is unbeatable. This will teach you that your brothers are your greatest source of fortitude.
0: Finally, you'll learn that the Scythe symbol represents the inevitability of death, This reminder that life is fleeting will force you to make the best
1: of yours. Due to its many lessons, the third degree is by far the hardest to attain. It can take years of learning and demonstrating your commitment before your brothers determine that you're ready. But once you have reached this difficult level, you are poised to seek power within the organization.
0: The conductor, warden, and vice grand are among the highest ranking positions within each lodge They help with running the day-to-day business of the society. Brothers who've been charged with these roles answer only to what's known as the Noble Grand. This is the title given to the highest ranking member of each lodge.
1: However, though the roles and the titles in each lodge are well-documented, it's unclear how initiates are able to attain these positions.
0: Maybe there's a voting process in place or some sort of committee that unilaterally promotes initiates into leadership roles. Regardless, as an initiate, you'll need to learn a few secret signs, and passwords before you can even consider climbing the ladder.
1: The most basic sign you'll learn as an Odd Fellow is the one that grants you access to the lodge itself.
0: To gain admission, you'll be taught to knock three times in quick succession. On hearing the signal, a fellow member will come to the door and ask for your password.
1: After answering correctly, you must provide your name, rank, and the lodge number you belong to. Only then will you be let inside.
0: It's hard to say exactly when these rituals and initiations were adapted by the Oddfellows. Perhaps they came to fruition when the group was driven underground in 18th century England. But since early documentation on the society is scarce, the answer remains unclear.
1: What is clear, however, is that for the great majority of the society's history, The only people that were privy to this information were men. However, this changed in the mid-1800s, when the Oddfellows finally welcomed women into their order. They dubbed these newcomers the Rebeccas.
0: Soon, these women would begin cultivating secrets of their own.
1: Coming up, the Order of the Oddfellows grows more powerful than the Freemasons. Now back to the story.
0: The Independent Order of the Oddfellows was known publicly for their charitable works. However, behind closed doors, they had a series of complex signs, codes, and rituals, many of which remained top secret, despite the fact that by the mid-1800s, the group had millions of members.
1: This exponential growth meant that the Grand Lodge of the United States was erected in 1825, just three years after Thomas Wildey started the first American branch. It worked as a governing body for the influx of new Oddfellows Lodges cropping up across the country.
0: Thomas Wildey's hard work was rewarded when he was elected head of the Grand Lodge. This earned him the title of Grand Sire, the highest ranking position within the American Oddfellows.
1: Despite these rapid changes, the group still didn't allow women to join their ranks.
0: Enter Skylar Colfax, an Oddfellows member, journalist, and soon-to-be vice president of the United States. Colfax was a fierce advocate for women's suffrage. He believed it was high time the Oddfellows create a branch for the ladies.
1: It's unclear how much pushback Colfax encountered, but in 1845, the Oddfellows agreed to include women. However, they would only accept the wives and widows of current members at first, then later added daughters. They called this group the Daughters of Rebecca.
0: Despite the Oddfellows' claims of being a non sectarian organization, the all female society was named after the ancient Hebrew matriarch, Rebecca. The men of the order felt that Rebecca's reputed hospitality best represented the values that Oddfellow women should aspire to.
1: But while the Rebeccas were admitted into the order, they had no official lodge system like their brothers.
0: There were no degrees for Rebecca's to climb. They may not have even been privy to the secret signs or ominous initiation ceremonies used to induct new members. By the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the Rebecca's seemed to operate on a more surface level, as a charitable club that offered assistance to the sick, orphaned, and elderly.
1: Regardless, the Oddfellows seemed poised for growth in the 1850s. That is, until the Civil War began in 1861.
0: The Oddfellows took a massive hit as their men were called into battle.
1: Membership decreased rapidly, and many of the Lodges put their work on hold. Even the Rebecca's were required to dedicate their time to the war effort.
0: When the war was over, the Order allowed titled members to swiftly reclaim their positions, In light of the recent destruction, members seemed especially eager to rejoin, and the society enjoyed a new era of growth and peace.
1: Many were looking to rebuild and reconnect with their communities. As one of the less exclusive organizations of the time, the Oddfellows and Rebecca's increased both their numbers rapidly. And thanks to industrialization and the job boom, members were able to contribute more money than ever to the order.
0: This inspired the first Oddfellow homes to open in the United States in 1872.
1: These facilities were different from member lodges in that they housed and educated orphans. They also operated as nursing homes for aged members and their spouses.
0: This was significant because, while asylums for the elderly and orphanages existed at the time, many suffered from overcrowding.
1: Since the Oddfellows homes were funded and run by members of the society, they were safe and sanitary. One home even provided its charges with orchards, gardens, and fields spread out over an expansive 300 acres of land.
0: These humane and even luxurious conditions made Oddfellows homes a major part of the group's legacy. Still, the Oddfellows were far from perfect. By the end of the 19th century, the group had conceded to allowing women partial membership in their order. Black people, on the other hand, were a different matter.
1: In this, the American Fellows differed from their British counterparts. England welcomed any race or nationality into their brotherhood. But the American branches were adamantly racist, refusing to allow non-white members within their ranks.
0: This prejudice inspired black communities to establish their own organizations the most famous of which was established by a black Englishman turned New Yorker, a man named Peter Ogden.
1: Ogden had been a member of the Oddfellows back in Liverpool, England, but was barred from the American branches due to his skin color.
0: So Ogden traveled back to Liverpool and met with the order. He told them of the discrimination he'd suffered in America. He explained that the racist climate made it difficult for black fraternal societies to exist.
1: The British Oddfellows were rightly furious. They weren't about to let prejudiced Americans tarnish their legacy of charity and tolerance. To that end, they swiftly granted Ogden the charter.
0: With it, he returned to New York on March 1, 1843, and established the first Black Oddfellows Lodge.
1: Though Ogden's Lodge was now officially recognized by the Greater Oddfellows Order, the climate in America meant that it remained mostly separate. Black Odd Fellows were unable to integrate with their white counterparts. Despite this, the new group still maintained the same core values and traditions, and they continued to grow across the United States.
0: One of the most successful black branches was in Alexandria, Virginia.
1: In 1869, three Oddfellows named James Webster, Robert Darnell, and John Credit hired a local architect to design and build their first lodge. It soon became a place for burgeoning Black entrepreneurs to network.
0: The members used the Lodge to hone their business skills, going out of their way to teach each other about their individual trades.
1: However, the most important function the Lodge played was as a gathering place for the disenfranchised Black community. This became especially important in the 1870s, during the start of the Jim Crow era.
0: All across the American South, Black people were being stripped of their rights, and whenever they dared to push back, their very lives were threatened.
1: However, the Lodge was its own world. Here, the Black community was able to practice some of the freedoms that had once been stripped from them. They could vote or speak freely and cast their ballot in leadership elections. They could hold forth about their ideas, their dreams, and their fears. The Lodge was more than a building. It was a safe haven.
0: It became one of the few places that black culture could freely be enjoyed. The members played music, they danced, they even celebrated holidays that were not yet accepted by the white community, such as an annual Emancipation Day party to commemorate the abolition of slavery.
1: It's obvious what a huge comfort the fraternal organization was to its black members. Nevertheless, it took another century after the Black Lodges first opened their doors for the Oddfellows' leadership to issue a global non-discrimination edict. This resulted in all Oddfellow branches, including the ones in America, officially integrating in 1971.
0: By the start of the 20th century, the independent order of the Oddfellows had a Lodge in every state in America, Oddfellows had also spread across the globe, opening chapters in Nigeria, Mexico, Switzerland, Australia, and dozens of other countries.
1: This rapid growth meant that by 1922, the Oddfellows claimed over 2.5 million members. The number was said to have outstripped even the Freemasons.
0: Those impressive stats all came toppling down during the Great Depression. The financial disaster resulted in members losing their homes, their jobs, and consequently, their stable incomes. Since supporting their own families became a near-impossible struggle, the ability to help others fell by the wayside.
1: Even if an Oddfellow wanted to remain in the Brotherhood, many couldn't afford the membership fees. As a result, dozens of lodges throughout the country were forced to close, and Oddfellow membership plummeted by 23%.
0: Things seemed destined to improve when Roosevelt signed his New Deal in 1933. But ultimately, the economic reforms hurt Oddfellow membership even further.
1: In FDR's America, workers were given more rights, the minimum wage was introduced, and if people needed financial aid, they could simply turn to the government. What's more, trade unions gained more power, and health insurance became commercially available.
0: All these positive social changes meant that suddenly, fraternal societies like the Oddfellows became less vital. Many former members no longer wanted to pay into a brotherhood since the government's new programs provided them with a social safety net.
1: The decreased dependence on the society meant that some of the Order's secrets began leaking out into the open. For the first time, outsiders heard whispers about the group's ritualistic initiation ceremonies, Furthermore, when Old Lodges were abandoned due to a non-existent membership, new owners discovered manuals, robes, and secret relics of the Order.
0: However, it wasn't until literal human skeletons were found in Lodge closets in the 2000s that outsiders began to question all they had previously assumed about the society.
1: Up to that point, the Oddfellows had presented themselves as an altruistic group, only concerned with bettering the world around them. Now, people wondered if the Order partook in darker things, like ritualistic human sacrifice, or if they were robbing people's graves as some sort of macabre proof of fraternal commitment.
0: Whatever the truth might have been, after the discovery of the skeletons, most people were certain that the Order of the Oddfellows had a dark side.
1: If their suspicions were right, if there really was a gruesome explanation behind the skeletons in the Odd Fellows' closets, it would tarnish the Order's legacy forever. Thanks again for tuning into Secret Societies. We'll be back on Thursday with Part 2, where we'll cover theories about the Order's history of murder and deceit.
0: You can find all episodes of Secret Societies and all other podcast Originals for free on Spotify.
1: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast Originals, like Secret Societies, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
0: To stream Secret Societies on Spotify, just open the app and type Secret Societies in the search bar.
1: We'll see you next time.
0: Secret Societies was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive-produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Scott Stronick, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Secret Societies was written by Lori Gottlieb, with writing assistance by Ali Wicker, and stars Greg Paulson and Vanessa Richardson.
1: Hi, listeners. Remember to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer, men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.